Good morning, church. How are you all this morning? I can't promise to you that I'm not going to mess something up. I didn't know there was a TV right there, y'all. And nobody told me about this. I was like, I leave for a month. Y'all get Gucci and get new TVs and stuff. Like, nobody. So I'm sitting here looking back here, and I look up there, and I'm getting hit by the projection screen. And I'm like, I don't know which one to look at right now. And then I was like, I don't trust this one because nobody told me if it's telling truths or not. <laughs> so I, pro I apologize for the hiccup there for a minute. But I'm happy to be back with everyone. I feel like it's like a, a big reunion when I don't, like, we haven't been here. It feel like it's been months or something like that. I don't remember the last time we were here. But it's exciting to see all of our Resurrection family. Um, Res kids, you guys are dismissed out to go to the third floor and have fun up there and check it out. Also, we're going to take a time of our tithes and offerings. See, it's been so long, I don't even know what y'all doing here. Like... It's different because, um, number one, I'm happy that we're actually in a place of worship. I was like, yes, there's songs, there's music. Yes, we don't do music at Risen City. We're not there yet. We're going to get there. Like, we're going to get to that place. But also, it's really um, exciting as we're going through the book of John and we're going through apostolic church planning book together. Um, it's been really exciting as we're going in that. So it's good to kind of get back into a traditional kind of church atmosphere. Last week, we actually were the we started at 6 o'clock. We were actually there till about 7.45 because we took some, like, Q&A discussion time. And we usually we get out around 7 o'clock. And I felt really bad because we have, like, a lot more kids than we do adults sometimes. So we can have, like, 10 or 15 people, like, adults in church. And then we'll have, like, 97 little people. And then Lauren was stuck with them. My wife, she's not here this morning. She had to go to um, Emmanuel Baptist where her after-school programs are at. And I felt horrible because we forgot all about her. And when I was just like, I was like, where is Lauren at? And all you hear is, like, you get an SOS text, like, like, help, please. So she's in the back in the gym with, like, 13 kids, and she's just like, I hate you so much. I was just like, I love you. It's okay. We'll get you some Chipotle, and we're good. So just when you get hangry, stuff happens, right? So, um, but this is really exciting about that. We're um, really excited. This week, we're going to be announcing, I've talked with Pastor Mason about this. Um, Easter is going to be our first Sunday morning service at Risen City. So it's, it's exciting, but it's also kind of depressing because I was just like, when are we going to see you guys again? But it's really going to be nice for us to start doing some collaborations. Um, I think I got in a message from Jordan about the um, cleanup crew that you guys are going to be doing. We're also going to be doing one on the west side. So we're going to be going back and saying, how can we start to collaborate together on all all these things like that. Um, I know the health ministry has got some stuff going on. I'm actually training right now for a 5K race, the race against racism. Bless you. Um, it scared me for a minute. And I was um, so I'm getting, I'm hyped for that. We're excited. So I'm hoping we can start to collaborate on these things. If you guys want to join our race against racism, I can guarantee you that you'll have fun. I'm not going to run with you. I'm already training to win and beat everybody. That's, that's my goal in life. I can't, me and Lauren have been going to the gym. Like we feel like we're fit. You've seen our photo with the muscles. Lauren's muscles are bigger than me. I don't care. You can make fun of me. Don't, don't look at me and say it though. Say it behind my back so I don't cry. But um, we're, we're, we're working out. We're jogging and stuff. And she's just like she's doing her little jog. I'm booking it like 10 miles per hour. I'm like, I'm getting this gold medal. I don't care what it is. I'm winning. And she's like, I know that when we run, we're not going to be run together. I'm like, I know we're not. I love you. I'm sorry. You can find somebody else to walk with you. But um, we're really excited about these opportunities for us to collaborate together in ministry. And I think that's one thing for us to remember is that we are still one church. We are still one city. And it's great for us to continue to collaborate and connect. Amen.
Amen. Well, I'm excited. Uh, Mason told me a couple weeks ago he was going to be out of town, so I was thankful for the opportunity to come back and um, come in to preach. And we're going to jump into um, our um, text here. It was going to be from Exodus 16. If for some reason I say John, just forgive me because we've been preaching through the book of John, and this whole time I've been like flipping back and forth. I don't know how people do like Sunday mornings and Sunday evenings, and they do totally two different text mess texts and stuff like that. Because I'm now I'm going to be like in John 97 it says this. You're going to be like. Exodus. So you have free reign to yell out Exodus if I say John. Can we do that? All right. I appreciate this. You know that we like crowd participation here. I like you guys. So um, we're actually, I'm going to um, kind of start back and kind of preface this with what had happened in verses um, 22 through 27 in chapter 15. And I know Mason, he had preached about last week about the bitter water that was made sweet. And I know as you all have been going through the book of Exodus, we learned about how Moses has done his journey from being, um, being abandoned, being in the water, being taken into Pharaoh's house, um, being a part of his family, then going into the wilderness for 40 years and coming back and redeeming and taking the Israelites out of slavery, out of captivity to their freedom. So this is an exciting part when we're looking through this. We're seeing God. God's providential care over the Israelites so far, pulling them out of slavery, parting the Red Sea, showing that he is faithful to the cause and the mission that they have to bring them to the promised land. And this is about the first month in that we see in verses in, um, chapter 15 to chapter 16 of their journey from going into the promised land. So what we're seeing here in um, the verses 23 to 27, as Mason appreciated about the bitter water that was made sweet, it reminds us that they're grumbling about the issues and things that are happening. They're grumbling about there's some bitter water in that moment. And I'll be like, okay, there's bitter water. I don't like bitter water. I wouldn't want to drink bitter water, but God fixed the bitter water for them. And he tells them in verses 26, he reminds them that if they're to be diligent and listen to the voice of the Lord, their God, and do at which, and do that which is right in his eyes and to give ear to his commandments and keep all of his statutes. He says, I will put none of the diseases that I put on the Egyptians. He says, for I am the Lord, your healer. And it reminds them as they continued on, then they went to Elam to a place where there were palm trees and springs of water, kind of showing the assurance of if you follow me, I will take care of you if you adhere to my commands. Pretty simple. Um, when I read through this, I tried to read through it, not in the mindset is that I know what the end is going to be like, that there's going to be 40 years, but looking at it and reading it through the text of just this chapter. And I've got to give a shout out to um, Moses and Aaron because from somebody, if you've worked with people before and you have other staff people around you, um, I'm in a new position. I've been there for six months. I have, I didn't, when I did all my W-9s for my staff, I was like, we had 79 staff members this year and we're going to end up having a hundred this year. You have a lot of issues when you're working with people. You know, you're grumbling, they're complaining, they're saying this, like, I don't have coloring sheets. I don't have this. My payroll was like, blah, blah, blah. All these things kind of happen. And we've got to give some look at the fact that Moses is more focused on giving grace to the people as he's bringing them out of the situation, because I believe he knows that there was grace upon his life through the situations that he was given unto as he is working on this mission. So we're going to keep that in mind as we're going into verses um, chapter 16 here. So in chapter 16, we're not going to go verse by verse, but we're going to hit on a couple of spots here. In verses two, it says here that, um, let's just say that the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses again and Aaron in the wilderness and the people of Israel said to them, it says, would you have had, would you have had, I'm sorry, what 
Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. It says, when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the, to the full. It says, for you have brought us out here to the wilderness to kill us, the whole assembly, with hunger. So they're complaining now that they're hungry. So they didn't have water. Now they're, they're complaining now that they're hungry. They don't have anything to eat. And I can only imagine how many of y'all have ever been hangry before? Some of y'all lying in the church today. We're going to do confession again. Listen, my favorite story, I can tell this because Lauren's not here, is that I love Lauren, but she gets hangry. And I know that I messed up when she gets hangry because I don't take care of her like a providential husband. I mess up. And I remember one time we were in Philadelphia it was, um, last October. She had been in a conference all day long. I'd just been running around town because I just went for leisure. And she was hangry. And she's vegetarian. So you just can't say, let's go get a burger. You've got to figure the right things. And it was to the point she was so frustrated. She was about to walk out in traffic. We're like downtown Philadelphia, cars and stuff. We're about to go to this Sixers game. She's just like in the middle of the street. And I literally grabbed her and was like, no, and like pulled her back. And there was a car that was coming there. She was like, the car wasn't even close. I'm like, Lauren, it's three inches away from you. And I'm like thinking, I'm like, man, in frustrating situations, we don't think the way that we should. And this is what's happening right now. They're, they're showing their humanity. They're frustrated. They're in the wilderness. They're hungry. There's millions of them out in the wilderness. And they're just hangry. Give them a Snickers bar and call today. We didn't have Snickers bars back in the day, y'all. So what's happening is they're, they're groaning. They're angry. They're upset about this right now. But they're not focusing on the real issue is that they're not having faith in God to provide for them. They're focusing so much on that they're hungry that they then start to complain and say, take me back to the place of slavery. Take me back to the place of bondage. At least when I was there, I had food and meat pots, even though I was in bondage. They're not focusing on the fact that God had brought them through and out of Egypt and told them, if you follow my commands and if you obey what I've asked you to do, I will take care of you. And I can easily look at my life and say, oh, look at those fools. I would never do that. I had a friend of mine. He just bought a house and he messaged us like at three o'clock in the morning and he sent me a video. I don't know what was going on. There was water just spewing out of his bathroom. I'm just like, man, that sucks to be you, man. And I'm like, I'm, I should have been a little more sensitive, but I wasn't. And I'm just like, you're a first time home buyer. You know how like things go chaotic as soon as they hand the keys over. It's like something explodes in your house. And I remember he's just so frustrated. And he's, he's in that moment. He's just like, I'm, I'm, I'm lacking my faith. I don't even know if I believe. I'm like, what's going on? And I'm like, dude, chill, relax. Think about where God has brought you from. And it's easier sometimes for us, I can look back and say, look at where God has brought you from to where you are right now. And this is just a momentary hiccup in your life on the process to your promise. They're not focusing on the promise that's to come. They're focusing on the issue at hand. And a lot of the times in our life when we have stress and we have things that are, that are taking over our lives, do we focus on remembering that God is a providential God? What God creates, he will sustain, he will provide for if we choose to follow after him. But we get hangry sometimes. So I told my buddy, I said, man, listen, I said, listen, I, he was a friend of mine. I said, you remember you when you get kicked, you got kicked out of Job Corps. You were living with we, me. We almost fought each other because you ate all the food in my refrigerator. You left my door open and the meth head stole my keys and I still loved you and all this stuff. I said, you graduated from high school, got your GED. You went to college. You're married and have a kid now. I said, God was providential during all of those times in your life. Will he not be the providential God that will help you right now when you have a water leak in your house? Will he not be the providential God when you get fired from your job and you don't know how you're going to live? 
Will he not be the providential God when you get broken up with that girl or boy you probably shouldn't have been with in the first place? Will he be the providential God to take care of you? And the answer is yes. So Moses and Aaron, they're, they're hearing the grumblings from the people. They're hearing it, and they're doing a whole lot better than me because I just would have been like, slay them off, forget all y'all. I rode in a car with our youth kids up to Clarksburg for an hour and a half, two hours, and I wanted to kill them. I was just like, they're like, we're hungry. There's a bathroom. I'm like, I flipped on the DVD player and was like, watch Spider-Man. Get out of my face right now. I couldn't imagine walking with millions of people for 40 years in the wilderness. They're only a month into this bad boy. I'm thinking, man, I can't do this. Shout out to the parents who have all that stuff. We got a fancy car, they call it the Gucci car because it's the Honda Pilot. And we flipped that bad boy down, they were quiet for hours. I couldn't imagine dealing with the grumblings and then also personally having to deal with all these things coming up against you. But Moses and Aaron were focused on the mission to get the people to where God wanted them to be. They were focused on God's care and they reflected that by reminding the people that God will take care of us. So as we continue on here and we see in verses four and five, God hears the grumbling of the people. He hears them being frustrated because they're hangry. They need something to eat. And then the Lord says to Moses, behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you. And he says, and the people, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion of that, a day's portion every day. And it says in here on, in verse four, he reminds me, he says, I may test them whether they will walk in the law or not. And when we see this test, it's a matter of like, is God trying to trip up the people? No, he's trying to teach them to focus on obeying God and listening to God every single day. When we have adversity in our lives, as, as it talks about in the book of James, do we look at that time to build character or do we look at it as punishment from God? Do we look at it as God may be helping us to be able to build worth and the verification that he will provide for us? Or do we grumble and complain about the situation in life? Do we use that as a time to exercise our faith and belief that God will bring us through? Or do we just get frustrated by the situation? And it's hard for me when I read this sometimes to think, I'm like, y'all saw the Red Sea get split. Y'all saw the diseases that were put on the Egyptians. Y'all saw the firstborn of all the households and the livestock die. But they still did not have enough faith that God would bring them through. But God was still faithful to them. God is still faithful to them through those situations. So he reminds them and he's telling them right now, I'm going to provide for you. He's telling them, I'm going to provide for you in the morning. I'm going to provide for you in the evening. And I love Moses and Aaron's response in verses six. Moses and Aaron said to all of the people at evening, you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. He's reminded them that in the evening when the quail comes up, when you eat the quail, it's the Lord who brought you out of Egypt and is still providing for you. In the morning when the manna comes down from heaven, it's making it rain manna. It is the Lord who provided this for you. It's not anyone else. It's not anything of my work. I'm pointing you directly to God who is your provider. And what he's teaching this is to the Israelites to help them to be reminded that you are going to have to put your faith in God to provide for you in all situations, no matter what is going on. But he also reminds them something important that I, that I tell my kids in Undefeated and adults sometimes. When we mess up and they do something, I say, you can grumble to me all you want, but your grumbling isn't disrespecting me, it's disrespecting God. Because the response that they have here is Moses goes to him, he says, when the Lord gives you the meat, he reminds them of that. And in the last verse here, in verse eight, he says to them, he says, your grumbling is not against us, but it is against the Lord. 
So when we have these complaints against our people and things and situations going on, we're not grumbling against the people. We're grumbling against God in those situations. And he's reminding them. I kind of like that a little bit. He, got him, he gave him a little bit of shade, a little bit of attitude. Like, yeah, you can grumble at me all you want, but you're really mad at God. Kind of like I tell my kids when they make a mistake or they do something. I say, you're not disrespecting me. You're disrespecting God in that moment. And it's to point them to the understanding, God is your providential God, and when you make these complaints, it's built upon your lack of trust in God. And he wants them to be built upon that. So as we continue on, and it talks about how in verses 13 through 15, how when the evening quail came up and it covered the camp, and then the morning dew lay down in the camps, it reminds them, it says to hear that when the dew came up and there was on the face of the wilderness in verse 14, and it says a fine flaky-like thing, fine as the frost on the ground. And in verse 15, it says, when the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, it says, what is this? That means manna. That's what they literally called it. They said, what is this? This is manna that's come from heaven. And it says, and they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. And when we see this, it's the thought of that they're giving them a supernatural blessing. I love and I, and I preach this all the time to people and I say this and I say, I have a, just a, a different kind of work ethic. My grandfather always taught me, he said, ain't nobody going to give you anything in life. He said, you've got to work for it. You've got to earn it. You've got to get it. He was real old school. And it reminded me when I'm reading this is that this is the supernatural blessing that God is giving them. Because we'll see in, in chapter 17, the people, they brought their livestock and their flocks with them. So they would have had food to be able to cook and eat to be able to sustain them. But God God knew that they were going into the promised land and he didn't want them to go in empty handed. So he gave them food from heaven and he gave them that manna and that bread to provide for them. This is showing God's supernatural nature to be able to provide for them because Paul is saying in 2 Thessalonians 3 and 10, he says, a man who does not work, he says, should not, a man who does not work should not eat. But for 40 years, when God brought them out of Egypt, he took care of them for 40 years. He said, I didn't just bring you into this situation for you to die. Because that was the concern of the Israelites. They said, I would have just rather went back to Israel and died. At least then I would have had food. I would have had meat. I would have been taken care of until I died. And many of our situations in life, we can feel like that. We can think to ourselves, God, why did you put me in this job? Why did you put me in this situation? Why do I have this family? Why do I have this house that is crazy and chaotic? During our process to the promise, we're going to face situations every single day. But those are tests to be able to build our faith upon God because he is providential. A friend of mine in our church plant, we were talking last week about the process through our promise, and he reminded me, and he said something. He said, man, I've been rocking with you for nine years now. I got saved nine years. It'll be 10 years in December. And I remember, he said, um, he said, I remember when you started youth ministry all the way up until now, and now we're planning a church. And he reminded me of some of the crazy situations, the good stuff, the bad stuff, the off-the-wall stuff, times when I denied people and said, no, I don't want a church plant with you. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. Times when I literally remember being at home crying and being like, am I ever going to do ministry? Thinking to myself, but it was the thought that God, you've brought me this far. I've got to continue forward, even in the stress, even in the animosity, even in the chaos. And God shows himself to be faithful if I choose to be faithful to him. So the encouragement that we should have as a church congregation is that we're going to face situations every single day 
But we have pastors, we have friends, we have a Moses and an Aaron that reassures us that God will take care of us because he is providential. And as we're on this process, because what I think about it, we're in the same boat of planting churches. We're on one on the west side and we're one downtown. As we are in this process to take the gospel to our city, do we choose to continue to have faith in God when things get chaotic and stressful? And remember where God has brought us to. So as we're continuing on with this, Moses and Aaron, they're telling the people, they're reminding them, listen, you, I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to be the providential God. They had this manna that came from heaven. They had the quail that came up. I just wanted to see the process in my head sometimes of them just chasing around quail, like just trying to get the quail, cooking it and meat and all this stuff like that. I always thought to myself, I said, was it easy? Or did they have to get a shotgun out and like shoot the quail? I don't know. I just, then I thought about Nate with a bow up in like the, you know, the air, just shooting quail, just catching them for people. I just, I have weird thoughts when I read stuff like this, y'all. I just want to give you a moment in my head. Like, I hope you read the Bible like this, like also. We got to remember people are human. So as we're reading through this, I'm sorry, I got lost on a tangent. Mason's going to be like, what in the world were y'all talking about on Sunday? Like, <laughs> this is why they, they moved me to a whole nother church. <laughs> but so as we're, as we're reading through this, it, Moses and Aaron, they remind them God is providential. But the next parts in here from verses 16 through 21 can really equate to our needs as every single day is that the need that the, 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 the provision, excuse me, the provision that God gave was sufficient for their need. And when we trust God, we have got to not lean on our own understanding, but lead unto God's understanding on what we need in life. Many people in times, they'll say, oh, well, I've got this and I've got this and I've got this, but you still feel as though you have lack because you're not comparing what you need to God's standard by which what you need. We compare it to what the world says that we should need. So we see here in verses 16 through 21, it's the commandments that Moses is giving them. And he tells the people, he says, they gathered some more and some less. And what God was telling him here was really for them to get the understanding that you're going to gather um, each uh, an omar of what you can eat, which is about two liters, about two quarts or so. And they would take it in the morning. They would take what they needed. And by the next day, what they didn't eat would be gone. And I thought, I was like, that's kind of a weird thing to happen. Why can't they have leftovers? It's because we all hate leftovers, y'all. They didn't have refrigerators. See, I made it easy for you. I'm just kidding, y'all. But it says here, it says that they gathered some more and they gathered some less. It says, but when they measured it with an omar, which is a standard by which they were to gather, it says, whoever gathered much, much, much more, I'm sorry, whoever gathered much more had nothing left over and whoever gathered a little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as they could eat. And Moses said to them, it says, leave, it says, let no one leave it over until the morning. It says, but they did not listen to Moses. And some of them left part of it in the morning and it bred worms and it stank. And uh, Moses was very angry with them. In the morning, it says, morning by morning, they gathered it and they ate and each of, I'm sorry, each as much as they could. It says, but when the sun grew, it melted away. And I was reading and researching this. It's a matter of thinking, thinking about this. It's that the daily bread was given to them what they needed. The daily bread was given to them what they needed. And I said, the first thing I thought was, I said, look at the Lord's prayer by which Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Y'all know the prayer? Do y'all know, know the prayer? Mason ain't teaching y'all nothing. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our... Okay, look at y'all. We're going to send y'all some of y'all to children's church to get this. <laughs> he says, give to us our daily bread. 
Give to us our daily bread. One of my favorite Proverbs, I'm going to hop over here real quick, is from Proverbs 30, um, number, uh, number 5 through 9. It says this. It says, every word of the Lord of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. And it says, do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. Two things that I ask of the Lord, deny them not from me before I die. Remove from me falsehood and lying and give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is, that is need, so feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? And lest I be poor and still and profane the name of the Lord. What he's trying to teach the Israelites, and this is what he wanted them to learn all across the board, is that God is our daily bread and he will provide for us. If you take too much, you're going to gather all that you need. And why would I remember God? Because I have excess. That's the point in our lives also. It talks about how it's, it's harder for a rich man to get into heaven because they have excess and they forget about God. What he's really trying to establish in this first month is that we have to be dependent upon God to be our providential God, and he will take care of us. It's the acknowledgement that every single day that when I get my bread and I got up in the morning and I had to pick this up, I'm thanking God for that provision. God, thank you for this food that I did not have to toil and labor for. Because it reminded in the book of Genesis, he tells Adam that you're going to have to toil and labor to get your bread. And it says in the New Testament, Paul says a man would have to work or he can't eat. But he's showing the providential nature that he, I'm taking you out of slavery. I'm taking you out of Egypt and I'm providing for you. But I want to establish that you all are my people. And I want you to understand every single day I will provide for you. But don't forget about what I have given unto you. Don't forget that I provide this blessing for you. Don't forget that I provide the quail that comes up. I provide the manna that you need as you're traveling through this journey. Don't forget that I provided you with that job that you have, the means of transportation. It may not be what you think it is compared to the world, but by God's standard, it's what you need to accomplish the task and the mission that is at hand. And it's value in that and value in finding that God takes care of us. So Moses was upset and he was angry that the fact that they didn't trust God enough when they gathered much more and they tried to save it. He's beckoning back to what he told them in verses 15. He's reminding them, be obedient to the small things that I'm asking you to do. If you can be obedient to the small, you can be obedient to the greater. If I ask you to take Justin Omar, what you need, be obedient to that because it'll be what you need in life. And he's mad because he's upset because he's saying, do you not trust God? And what I'm giving unto you, do we not trust God with the little things that we have so he can give us a greater blessing? The small obedience that they would have had to be able to follow God for that first 40 days would have got them out of the wilderness and into the promised land. But it's in the small things that we miss in our lives that we miss to the promise that God has for us in life. And it's a challenge every single day to say, I am being tested. Maybe in that moment when you want to yell at a referee because they made a bad call. I'm notorious for yelling at referees and people during basketball, y'all. I got a bad attitude. My kids know it. They'd be like, Mr. Farmer, you're supposed to be a peacemaker. I'm like, I don't want to hear that right now. I'm mad at the referee. And in church league, too, that's even worse. I'm like, they're like, Reverend Farmer, chill. I'm like, I'm not Reverend right now. <laughs> I'm just angry. <laughs> in those small moments, do we trust under God? 
Do we, do we have reverence for him in those moments to say, can I follow what his word says? In the small moments when you're grumbling and griping because you're hungry, do we trust in God that he will provide for us in the way that he has asked us to do so in our personal lives? So as it says on here, they grumbled, they griped, they were upset, they got the manna, they got the quail, they were given and provided for, they disobeyed God by trying to take too much, and Moses was so upset with them. He just wants them to follow after God and understand that it's sufficient for what you need in life and that God will provide our daily bread, and it's for us to point back to God and give him reverence for what he provides for us. So he continues on and he says this in verses 22 through 30. He's trying to remind them he got upset because he didn't want them to work on the Sabbath. He wanted this to be a day of glorification and prayer and rest for them. So as they tried to take too much for the Sabbath, um, that's what happened and it melted away. And it's reminded in here, he tells him, he says, lay aside enough because there'll be a double portion for you for the next day that you would need. And he gives them those Sabbath instructions in verses 22 through verses 30. We're going to jump down before we finish here to verse 27. And it says on here, just on the seventh day, it says, some of the people went out to gather. It says, but they found none, even after Moses had given them the instruction that they would receive extra for the day before. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? Verse 29, he says, see, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. He says, remain each of you in his place. And it says, let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. And he gives them the instructions on how to live out on that Sabbath day. And says, so the people rested on the seventh day. And in verses 31 through 36, it just reminds them of how God was providential. And what Moses does is he gives them the instructions to Aaron. He says, take the manna, put it in the jar as a remembrance of what God has given unto us, as a remembering of God's providential care. Well, um, I've been reading a lot more in the New Testament as we're doing the New Testament church plant. But I love when I get a chance to read in the Old Testament, and it reminds me of God's providential care of his people that came before me. Um, it makes me reminded that when I think that I have a rough life, I think about how God took care of his people in the Old Testament. He brought them out of slavery. He brought them out of bondage. He provided for them. He gave them the promised land. But it also reminds me that when I mess up and I make mistakes, God has shown himself to be faithful to be faithful and to provide even when I make mistakes in life. I make mistakes every day, y'all. I just had the confession. I had a staff meeting with my staff on a Thursday, and I was just like, what is going on, this and this and that? And I'm just going in on all this stuff like that, and I'm telling them. I came back the next day. I said, listen, y'all. I said, we got to fix some things, but I was also hangry. I was hangry. I hadn't ate all day. I had a Lauren moment, y'all. And I remember going back and just saying, listen, we got to fix these things. And I had a Moses moment when I was just like, I know that you all are dealing with situations. I know you're dealing with stress, but let me show you the grace that God has given me upon my life while we're working out this mission. So from a leadership aspect, we show that grace to everybody else who is around us. But also on a day-to-day -day basis, it's remembering no different than what they did with this manna. And they put up this place um, just where they remembered. And also in verse 15, the statutes of how God provided for them. Do we have pillars and places in our life where we remember where God has provided for us in our places of need? I tell people, I say, your testimony of where God has brought you is a good way for us to remember where we are going. That in those moments and times when you were lacking, and if the band wants to come up, you all can come on up now, that when you're lacking, God will always provide for us and help us and care for us. 
But it's a matter of do we in adversity take the moment to think about how God will help us in those moments? Or do we let our attitude get the best of us? I would say just as humans, we let the attitude get the best of us sometimes. And I know that God still loves us and cares for us, so he forgives us. But it's a matter of when the attitude gets the best of us and we let that attitude erode the trust in God, do we choose to turn to God and say, God, I repent and I've made a mistake. Help me to trust under you more and more every single day. Or do we choose to live in that place of frustration? We sometimes we're like the children of Israel and we walk around issues and issues and issues over and over and over again for 40 years when we don't just stop and remember that God loves and cares for us. And if we confess our sins and we choose to follow after God, our lives will become easier as we're living out this mission. So my challenge is, is that as we're remembering in um, chapter 16, remember that God provided for the Israelites. God provided for us because he loves us and he cares for us. And as we're on our way to the process, to the promise, remember that he will always be there for us. And if we trust under him, he will help us through these processes. Amen. Amen. Let's rise for worship as we end up our, as we end our service.